Welcome to Health Center's podcast. In August of this year, President Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, the first legislation of its kind, allowing Medicare to negotiate and lower the prices of prescription drugs for its enrollees. The signing of this act is a landmark win in the fight for affordable health care costs. On this podcast, registered nurse Diana Mason hosts Health Center correspondent Liz Siegert, Association of Healthcare Journalists Topic Leader on Aging, for a discussion about what the Inflation Reduction Act entails, how its enactment will affect Medicare enrollees, and what changes can be expected over the next few years. This podcast first aired on Health Cetera in the Catskills on WIOX Radio in September 2022. The Inflation Reduction Act that was signed into law recently requires the federal government to negotiate prices and has other features that could benefit older adults enrolled in Medicare, and those prices are drug prices. Here to talk with us about this law and its potential benefits for older adults is Liz Siegert, an independent journalist and topics editor on aging for the Association for Healthcare Journalists. She also, as we consider her here, Health Cetera's resident expert on aging, and I'm delighted to have Liz back on Health Cetera in the Catskills. Hello, Liz. Hi, Diana. Thanks so much for having me. Nice to have you back and uh, to have you on the air. So um, let's tell us what, the uh, for those who may not know it, what the Inflation Reduction Act is and what's in it that could be helpful to older adults in our region. Well, the Inflation Reduction Act uh, actually has a lot of moving parts to it. Uh, Part of it deals with climate change. Part of it deals with Affordable Care Act subsidies. But the part I want to talk about today is the prescription drug component. And as you mentioned, uh, for the first time, it will mandate that the federal government must negotiate some of the highest spending drugs covered under traditional Medicare. It also phases in a $2,000 cap on Part D out-of-pocket spending. It limits annual Part D premium increases. And importantly for many listeners, it caps the monthly cost of insulin at $35. So in the long run, uh, this law will save thousands of dollars yearly for older adults, uh, particularly with people for people who have extremely high out-of-pocket drug bills. They may be taking an expensive drug for something like cancer or rheumatoid arthritis. And quite frankly, that could be any one of us. Uh, we're all only a diagnosis yes, away. Exactly. Exactly. And so uh, people should be patient, though, shouldn't they? This isn't going to happen overnight. Oh, no. Uh, The law's provisions are phased in over the next seven years. But the good news is that some of them begin in 2023, including uh, requiring drug companies to pay a penalty to the federal government if prices for certain drugs rise faster than inflation. That insulin cap also goes into effect next year, as well as the elimination of cost sharing for adult vaccines covered under Medicare Part D. So, for example, you may go in and get your shingles shot, um, and there still may be a cost sharing component to it. You may have a, a small copay, but that will go away. 
the following year in 2024, um, the 5% coinsurance for catastrophic coverage in Medicare Part D is eliminated. And um, as you and many of your listeners may know, Medicare Part D has no out-of-pocket spending cap. So unless you get a low-income subsidy from the government, um, you're, you're forced to pay this 5% coinsurance once you reach what's called the catastrophic coverage level. And that can cost people as much as $3,200 a year. Mm-hmm. So that'll be gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the increase in premiums can't go above 6% from the prior year. And it will also expand those low-income subsidies. Then in 2025, some of the really um, cost-saving measures go into effect. Uh, Everyone on Medicare Part D, which is about 48 million people, will have a maximum cap on their out-of-pocket drug spending, which doesn't exist now. Mm -hmm. So no one will pay more than $2,000 a year, regardless of how expensive your drugs are or how much you have in co-pays. And that's going to be much um, easier for people on Medicare, particularly those with low incomes or fixed incomes, to budget how much they spend on drugs every year. Um, As we know, a lot of people are often forced to choose between buying food or paying rent or buying their medication. Mm-hmm. So uh, finally, from 2026 through 2030, that's where the drug price negotiations start coming in. And uh, the government will have the power to negotiate uh, for the highest cost brands. Uh, these are ones without generics or what's called biosimilar, which are lab-created equivalents. Um, so, again, some drugs to treat cancer or autoimmune diseases. And it will start with just 10 drugs, but throughout the rest of the decade, more and more drugs will be added to this. So, overall, by 2030, these drugs, price negotiations, will save the government about $100 billion. Mm-hmm. And some of that savings will accumulate to us as individuals, correct? Absolutely. Uh, Consumers will see the cost of the drugs go down. They will see the out-of-pocket spending that they're liable for go down. And the good news is that very likely uh, this will also apply to those people who are on Medicare Advantage as well as those on traditional Medicare because the commercial insurance companies almost always mimic whatever the federal government does. So, Liz, call me paranoid, but one of the things that (laughs) concerns me about this is that, so it's giving the federal government um, the power to negotiate drug prices under Medicare. It's sort of astonishing that the federal government can't negotiate those drug prices right now with pharmaceutical companies. However, as this moves forward, What's to keep the drug companies from then taking those high-cost drugs and, as they get lowered under Medicare, passing the, the cost of that negotiation, if you will, on to people who are not covered by Medicare, people who may be 50, 55, have private insurance? Well, there's certainly um, that's, that's a logical concern. <laughs> But there are provisions in the bill to monitor the price hikes so that the drug companies can't just uh, transfer the cost from one group of 
insurance beneficiaries to another. Good. And if they do, they're going to have to pay the federal government a quite stiff penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I was very heartened to see that insulin is addressed right out the gate because uh, there, I mean, that's it's a life-saving mm-hmm. drug. You die if you don't take it. And, and if you start cutting back on how much you're taking, you're going to get more complications. And in the end, it's going to cost you and it's going to cost everybody not just more money, but it'll cost you your health. So, um, yeah, that was really important. It is very important. Now, they did try to get the $35 cap on insulin for everyone covered under some kind of health insurance, not just Medicare beneficiaries. But unfortunately, they could not get that part passed in Congress. So right now they had to just settle for Medicare. So why has it taken us so long to get here? We know that Americans pay more than any other country for the same drugs, that these pharmaceutical companies charge other countries less money, people in other countries less money than they charge us. We are subsidizing the world and the pharmaceutical companies. Um, why, why is this taking us so long to get here? Well, um, it's really kind of a simple answer. The pharmaceutical lobby in Washington is extremely powerful. And for many years, decades really, they've pushed back against price negotiations. They claim it will stifle uh, innovation and new drug development. But, you know, the thing is, Diana, the drug companies were always free to set their initial prices and raise or lower them as they saw fit during a period of exclusivity, which can run from seven to sometimes 10 or 15 years, depending on the product. And, yeah, it took Congress about a year to settle on all these details, but drug companies will finally have some accountability to taxpayers over the cost of some of these medicines. And, by the way, the Congressional Budget Office estimates that less than 1% of new drug development might be stifled due to the new law over the next 30 years. So that was one of pharma's arguments. There's not a lot of of, uh, meat behind it. So hopefully people will soon start seeing some real financial relief. Actually, the pharmaceutical companies have put much more into their marketing budgets than they have into R&D, I believe. So <laughs> they don't I, have my I think you're right. Yeah. So, so there are some people who argue that the act doesn't go far enough. And you've already mentioned that, that the $35 cap on insulin only applies to people on Medicare. Um, so, so what are your thoughts about, you know, this doesn't do as much as it ought to do? Well, um, I guess progress comes incrementally. It would be great if all drugs on Medicare were subject to price negotiation, but this is more progress than has been made literally in decades. Uh, This legislation has been called historic and landmark. And what I think is going to be really helpful for most people who have fixed incomes, and maybe on five, six, even ten medications, you know, you may not have a $10,000 a year cancer drug that you're paying for, but if you've got six or seven drugs and your co-pays, because they're still brand name, cost you $70 or $100 every month, that adds up quickly. So the $2,000 out-of-pocket cap will be extremely beneficial for everybody. 
Great. And and so I'm not going to see an increase in my premiums beyond what is allowed in this act from the drug company that I use for my my uh, pharmaceutical benefit? Once that provision kicks in, then your premiums are not allowed to um, go up more than 6% from the year before. And um, if they do, then the pharma companies will pay penalties. If pharma companies don't want to uh, participate in this, then they will be required to take not only a particular drug off the market that's being negotiated, but every drug they manufacture out of the Medicare formulary. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty powerful. Yes. <laughs> wow. So if people want to learn more about how they might be affected by this new law, is there a good source that you would recommend? Uh, there's actually two very good sources. Um, AARP, um, so if they go to aarp.org, they have a number of articles which help explain the provisions of the law and um, also talk about the premium subsidies and the climate change legislation, which, as you know, also significantly affects people's health. And another good resource, if you want to get a little more into the weeds, is the Kaiser Family Foundation, which is at kff.org. They've created a really easy-to-understand chart that shows what the provisions are and when they kick in. So people might find that helpful if they're trying to actually track this legislation. So if they go to kff, as in frankfrank.org, yes. uh, they would Google um, what? Or search for what? Search for um, Inflation Reduction Act. Great. Excellent. Well, Liz Siegert, um, independent journalist, topics editor on aging for the Association for Healthcare Journalists, and Health Cetera's resident expert on aging. We thank mm -hmm. you very much for coming back on to Health Center and the Catskills today and updating us on this important law. Thank you, Liz. My pleasure, Diana. Anytime. You've been listening to a podcast of Health Cetera in the Catskills. For more podcasts and discussions of important health issues and policies affecting health, go to Health Cetera's website and blog at www.healthmediapolicy.com. That's www.healthmediapolicy.com. This podcast was produced by Dr. Diana Mason and production assistant Kai Volsey.